Good evening, lunatics. Flying solo tonight. Larry's off tonight. He's fine. He just needed some rest. And so I'm going to uh, I'm going to take care of business. So here we are. It is February 2nd. So it is February 2nd. Like I said, I'm flying solo tonight. So we'll just kind of see where this goes. And uh, we'll take it from here. So good evening, everybody. Um, you know, I, I had a TikTok today that has kind of taken off. And um, um, and got a TikTok comment about it just now. So our our interviews can can be a little spicy sometimes because we have a duty, really, to make sure people understand what they're getting into here. Um, we do not just hire truck drivers. That's that's not our objective. Our objective is not to just hire whoever we can hire, um, you know, offer, oh, here's a great truck and here's a big uh, benefits package and a, and a pay package. That's not what we're about. We are about giving people an opportunity to learn how to become an owner-operator and do it well, do it efficiently, do it uh, sustainably. Uh, 95% of first-time owner-operators fail. 95%. I failed in 2017. And so this program exists to give people the opportunity to do it where you don't have to take on the risk. You don't have to buy a truck. There's no lease payment. Um, you know, <clears throat> if you leave, you leave and there's nothing, um, uh, there, there's no risk to you. Right. So, you know, this is episode what, 194. Um, so usually they're two hours a piece. So there's literally hundreds of hours of content on YouTube. There's a lot of content on TikTok. We have a website that has lots of information. And we have just found that given all of that information that exists, people will come here to get in this program and be shocked by what happens. So when we get them in the interview process, um, we, don't, we don't mess around. We don't mince words. And if, and if we think that somebody's not right for this program, we'll straight up tell them. <clears throat> excuse me so i had a uh, uh i had a guy uh he did not fill out a driver application he filled out a mentoring application which is um basically like if you have a truck you're a bco at landstar we will give you mentoring help we'll show you our ways uh we'll show you how we communicate we'll show you how we pick loads we'll help you with dispatching the, the, the objective there in the mentoring relationship is we want to show you how to raise your revenue, minimize your expenses, um, and, and clean up, right. What, what you're doing and give you that best chance, best chance of having a sustainable business. And so this application, the, the thing that stood out to me was it said, I've been approved for a truck. Okay. Well, I mean, it don't take a rocket science to, to read into that, what, what that is. He's trying to borrow money for a truck and we don't do that. We don't borrow money for trucks. We pay cash for trucks because debt is risk and the trucking business is risky enough as it is. You don't need more risk. You need less risk. 
So I get the guy on the phone, um, and or no, I'm sorry, not on the phone. I get the guy on Zoom, and a young guy in his thirties, um, and I said, "Hey, tell me about this. What's what's approved for a truck mean?" Well, then he immediately begins to not answer that question. I hate stop. What does approved for a truck mean? Oh, well, I'm I've been approved to buy a truck. I said, "Okay, are you, are you paying cash for this truck?" Oh no. How much you putting down? Seven thousand dollars. How much the payment? Twenty three hundred a month. How long for thirty months? Okay, well, I got out our friend a BSE nine thousand. Okay, seven thousand. Okay, well, we twenty three hundred times thirty. That's sixty nine thousand plus six thousand, or I'm sorry, plus seven thousand. That's seventy six thousand dollars for a twenty eighteen Freightliner with five hundred thousand miles. We have a twenty eighteen Freightliner in our fleet right now with 660,000 miles that was bought and paid cash for 25 grand. So the, the interview basically went like this, dude, please don't do this. Please do not sign up for this truck. Um, it's going to destroy you. It's going to destroy your life. It's going to destroy your family. It's going to destroy your finances and you're probably going to end up bankrupt. Um, and so he, what, I think he took it in. I mean, um, I, I said, listen, you, you need to get a really good company driver job. You need to pay off your debt. You need to save more money. And then you need to come out this and pay cash for that truck. Why pay $50,000 more for the same truck we paid 25 for? You're going to pay 76. And then what are you going to do when that truck breaks down? And please don't talk to me about a warranty. I don't want to hear you talking about a warranty. Because go on down to the dealership and look at the guy that's been sitting there for five or six weeks waiting on warranty to fix his truck. Okay, you're going to be paying that $2,300 a month payment while you're sitting on on your butt waiting for warranty to come fix your truck. Okay? So, and I told him, I said, I hope your wife's in the background hearing me tell you not to do this. Please do not do this. Go get a good company driver job. I mean, my gosh, you can fall off a lock and make $100,000 as a company driver if you're halfway decent. Right. One thing. And for those of you that have been around us for a while and you know a little bit about trucks, I said, hey, it, it's sixty five hundred dollars to put a clutch in that Cascadia. He goes, oh, it's an automatic. It don't have a clutch. OK, stop. You have no business buying a truck when you don't even understand that your automatic truck has a clutch and a very expensive clutch at that. And it has a $9,000 transmission in it and a $6,000 clutch. I said, well, so what are you going to do when all of this happens at once and your one box goes out? You're bankrupt. You're broke. So please don't do this. Now, I did, I did say, look, we have an opportunity where you can come and drive one of our trucks as an employee, but I don't think you should do that right now because I can't pay the top dollar. I pay percentage of revenue, okay? Revenue is what revenue is. And the market, I can't pay you, or I can't guarantee you $100,000 a year right now, okay? There's risk that comes with being in our program, right? And any one of our guys can tell you. Trucks break down, loads get stupid, circumstances happen, and it hurts your paycheck, right? So if you're going to do this program, you you better have a pretty solid financial underpinning under you because for 18 months you're going to ride that wave okay and if the freight's up great if it's down you can't get blood out of a rock we're not going to pay you more than what the market bears 
So that's where we left it with this guy. I hope, I hope that he heeds my advice, but all he's got to do is look around this industry and go, well, hell, everybody else is doing it. Everybody else is signing up for truck payments. I might as well do it too. That's why we're the lunatics. That's why it says it right there on the screen on Twitter. That's why it says it right there on the screen on YouTube and Facebook. We are the lunatics because we don't do trucking the way the rest of trucking does trucking. You've got this, this minority stake in this business. That's these giant corporations. They they're like 10 or 12% of the entire industry, but they're the model. They're the brand that everybody thinks that will, I asked somebody one time, it was an interview and it contesting. It was a testing interview. Uh, I think it was with a lady. And, and I said, Hey, let me ask you a question. How of all the trucks going up and down the road right now, how many of them are owned by Swift, Schneider, JB Hunt, yada, yada. She's like, Oh, 90%. I'm like, it's like eight, maybe 10. Okay. You, you can't, you can't escape that. Okay, the, the, all these big companies that everybody thinks are so powerful, they're tiny. Now they are powerful to the extent that they can get, you know, Congress to to screw the rest of us on their behalf. So I mean, they they do have that power. Um, but the majority of freight going up and down the road is is by small companies, six, eight, ten trucks. That's the majority. That's who's doing the business. It's owner operators, single truck carriers is who's carrying the load pardon the pun okay um and it's such a revolving door you know carriers come in carriers go out i, I read that a thousand carriers a day a thousand mc numbers a day were being created in 2021 22 and now i'm reading that they're leaving at a rate of four or five hundred a day now there are people that believe that those weren't real carriers. Those were just numbers being generated. <clears throat> maybe so, maybe not, but I watched people. All right. There are trucks literally in our fleet right now that came from people who had no prior experience in the business, had no trucking background whatsoever. And now the truck is in our fleet. And we're it being operated by us because the carrier no longer exists that that truck was once in. So <clears throat> what we're doing is trying to teach you how to roll with the punches, how to be ready, have a backup plan, um, have the, uh, the foundation of your business so solid that when the owner of company has a stroke, Everybody just steps in and all the, all the principles are there and you just, and you just do it right. Everybody's got their job. Everybody knows what they need to do. All all the people in the program, they know what they do. They, they know what their responsibilities are, but I'm going to tell y'all. Okay. Now we've got two brand new guys. I've been here about a week and what I'm fixing to say is not an indictment of them because they're no different than anybody else that comes in. Okay. Richie three years ago, and people that have come in here now a week ago. We do everything that we can. I have created a driver resource page on our website that that just has, want to know what to do with a comm check? Press here. Want to know what to do with a lumper? Press here. I have a driver handbook that goes out with every person. And to a man or woman, nobody reads it. Right? That's a societal problem. We're giving you the information here. It, it says right here, 
And when I get to the shipper, do this. And when I leave the shipper, do that. And when I leave, get to the consignee, do this. And when I leave the consignee, do that. And it doesn't get done. Okay. Now they figure out really quick because we're very, we're very specific about our protocols and our, and how we engage with our customers, the agents. Um, but everybody does it the same way. Everybody comes in and we have to go through this reprogramming. You're not a company driver anymore. Yeah. You're an employee of this company while you're engaged in this program, but we have to turn you from a very selfish employee, which if you're an employee, you probably should be a little selfish, but we have to turn you from a very selfish employee to a very giving and serving business operator because uh, the landscape is littered with the corpses of dead businesses where the person owning the business thought the business was about them. And it's not about you. It's about your customer. And if you screw enough customers, that's what I've always found funny about the, you know, the, the little twits on social media, they see someone successful who's built a great business and they're like, oh, well, they, they, they've got that big house or that fancy car, the big bank account. They must've been greedy. I can show you where the greed is. The greed is the people that want something for nothing. Gosh, I know that's hard for a bunch of y'all to hear, but greed's when you want something for nothing. Greed is when you want maybe the government to take by force from someone else and give it to you because you think somehow you deserve it, you're entitled to it. Or greed will kill your business because you're filling your own pocket. But when you're in business, you're last. And you're last for a very, very, very long time. Okay. And it's really the 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 minority of people that can own a business as an asset and not work in it every day, not somehow be connected. That this this lofty idea of the CEO that sits in the ivory tower and never does anything but gets a million dollars. Um I'm, I am not, I don't own this business yet. I'm 24, seven, 365. Larry is to an extent, but that's why he pays me very generously. He pays me well, um, so that he does not have to answer the phone in the middle of the night. That's my job. When the phone rings at three o'clock in the morning, because somebody's broke down or didn't push the clutch in, um, to get the truck started. Um, th that's my job. Okay. And, and my, <laughs> my job has changed. I was watching this uh, TikTok the other day and it was, it was showing young people how to build a resume. Oh, well, this is what you should do. And, and you, you really need to, uh, you really need to outline what your skills are. What, what can you do? And I'm, I'm laying in bed and I'm thinking when my truck blew up, in April of 2017, I was basically an unemployed truck driver. That was the, that was the majority of my skill set in April of 2017. And so I went to work as a truck driver until I hired on with Larry, Larry and I was still a truck driver. That was my primary skill set. That was the thing about me that was valuable is that I could haul freight. Well, here I am seven years later. 
And there, there's a number of things that I could do and be paid well for that's way beyond shifting gears and backing into docks. I can manage a fleet. I can coordinate maintenance. I can turn wrenches. I literally could go to work as a diesel mechanic and do a pretty damn good job. Um, I could, I could coordinate events. I could be an event planner. Um, I could be a pretty good bookkeeper. I couldn't be an accountant, but I could, I could be an okay bookkeeper. I can set up systems. I could go into just about any business and I could set up systems and processes to help that business be more efficient. And that's all the stuff that I've learned here. So my value, my individual value and ability to earn is based on the, all of the different things that I've learned to do in this job. Uh, now did I purposefully go in with that mindset and that goal? No, it's just stuff that I learned along the way, but I was open to it. And just like our friend in the interview that didn't know that an automatic transmission had a clutch, we have employee truck drivers that want that see a legitimate opportunity to be in business. They're like, okay, well, Hey, that guy's an owner operator. Sure. Hell I can be an owner operator. Okay. Well, you better start learning the difference between a service brake chamber and a parking brake chamber. You better start learning how the systems and processes on your truck work, right? Because we're trained, especially in this American society, we're trained from the earliest age to seed uh, responsibility to authority. Oh, well, hey, he said, well, the cop said, or this person said, the mechanic said, right? And the minute that you can transfer that responsibility to somebody else, you can wash your hands of it. You can't do that in business. You can't wash your hands of it. You've got to go, and I saw Bendon with Bendon in my comments. Okay. I'm not going to go try to twist a frame. I know where to take it. I'm going to take it to Houston and I'm going to see him if I need a frame bent. Right. I mean, <clears throat> I recognize excellence. Okay. Pittsburgh power. All right. If, if I get something that I can't figure out, I know where the experts are, and if they say, oh, okay, what's this, that, and the other, great. Okay, I I believe in and I trust in their expertise. But if I walk into a TA, just a random TA, and there's some guy in there with his name on his shirt so he can remember what it is, and on the other side it has where he works so he can remember where, where he works, I don't care what he says, right? I have to walk into there, and I have to be in charge. I have to say, hey, this is what's wrong with my truck, and this is what's going to take to fix it. And I either, A, don't have the time, B, don't have the tools. I need you, this person that's supposed to be able to do this thing, I need you to crawl in there and get it done because I don't have time. Or I don't have the tools with me or whatever it is. But you cannot stay in business long term if you just walk into a shop, toss them the keys, and say, well, yeah, you'll fix it unless you've built that relationship, right? And, and so success in business is all about relationships. I saw a Landstar post and I've got this folder. Uh, I've got an album on my phone now. 
screenshots. I call it stupid Landstar posts. And there was somebody raising hell about the 120, the 120-day inspection that Landstar requires. And for those of you outside Landstar, the federal government requires a federal annual inspection of a commercial vehicle, and with that, an annual maintenance report. Landstar requires that every 120 days. And if they didn't, most of these jokers would be out of service because they'll never get the truck inspected or never have any clue what the hell's happening to it. So anyway, this person had gone to a Petro approved location and they were upset at how long it was taking. Well, I don't have that problem because I have spent years building a relationship with one location. When our trucks are due for a 120, I pick up the phone, and when she answers, she, I know who she is. Hey, it's Chris. Hey, I got a, I got a truck coming in this weekend. I need a 120. Oh, okay. Well, what day you want? Oh, let's do it Saturday morning. Okay, great. And then she mentions the tech by name, right, who then will look over the truck, and if there's anything wrong, he'll call me. He'll be like, hey, uh, let's do this. Okay, great. Well, let's do that. It's all relationships. I don't just walk into some random place where I don't know these people and I'm going to, I'm going to entrust them with something as important as my safety inspection. No. Right. And before Carl left TA, we went to the hardest guy. We went to the guy that would fail our trucks. We didn't look for the guy that wouldn't fail them. We went and looked for the guy that would. Why? Because I need to know when there's something wrong with my truck. I need somebody I can trust that's going to crawl under there. And as Carl would say, hey, what you going to do about this? Oh, well, I'll tell you what we're going to do about it, Carl. We're going to fix it. <clears throat> we had a truck breakdown last week. Uh, Freightliner with a Mercedes MBE 4000. Driver's going along. Minding his own business, truck just shuts off. He hits the shoulder. He calls me, hey, man, just quit. Okay, well, we went through a few things. And on a Freightliner, first thing you got to do is go to the battery box, look at the ECM wire, make sure we got power to the ECM. Yep, we got power to the ECM. Okay, I called a road service out. Road service comes out, shoots it with ether. It starts, but it won't run, and there's no fuel in the fuel filter. So it's lost prime. So we got no fuel. And with a, a diesel... If you got air, fuel, and compression, she's going to run. Might not run great, but it'll run. He says, I think your fuel pump's out of it. And I'm like, well, okay. Makes sense to me. Uh, you're the professional. Uh, now, he didn't want to do a fuel pump on the side of the road in the rain, which I don't blame him. So I start making phone calls. And I'm calling and calling and calling and calling. And I happened upon Clark Power, Detroit diesel dealer in Jackson, Mississippi. And I called him up and I said, Hey man, I, I think I need a fuel pump. And he was like, all right, well, here's call this record. Um, and tell them we've got a space open. Just pull it right on in the shop. I thought, Hey, oh yeah, I'm going to hit the jackpot. They're not, they're not telling me to wait two weeks. They're telling me we're going to pull it right in the building. Well, they pull it in the building. Guess what? Wasn't a fuel pump. Uh, there was varying, uh, varying types of fluid coming out the exhaust. Well, I don't need to tell y'all that's a big problem. So <clears throat> I said, okay, well, let's, let, let's yank the exhaust manifold off of it, right? What, what's wrong with it? 
they kind of reluctantly did that. I'm like, what's it going to cost? $500? Just yank the, the exhaust manifold off of it and see what the problem is. So they pull it off, and we've got fluid coming out of, and, and the Mercedes has six heads, right? It doesn't have one big head. It has six individual heads. And he said, hey, we got, we got fluid in number four, number five, a little bit in number six. And I said, well, we've been down this road before. The Mercedes head is known to crack. Uh, and the fuel goes into the head on the exhaust side. And I said, well, man, I mean, I'm, I'm just a fleet manager, but it sounds to me like maybe we've got a cracked head and it's letting the fuel run in. And that's what's had it to lose prime. And I said, well, let's just, just take the heads off. Just, and this was like Thursday. I said, just yank the heads off of it and we'll find out. Oh man, are you, boy, that's you short. You sure you're going to do that? And I said, listen, man, here's how I look at it. Um, this truck has one of the best drivers in our fleet. It's being operated by the best fleet, uh, the best fleet manager or, or lit platform dispatcher, uh, probably that exists. Um, so what if it's $15,000? I don't care. That truck will make that back in, you know, 15, 15 weeks you know, 15. So who cares, man? I don't know. And I said, Hey, do you, do you argue this much with people when they want to put a $15,000 one box on a Cascadia? And he got real quiet when I said that, I said, listen, let's just yank the heads off of it and let's do further diagnostics. I certainly sounds to me like we found our problem. So we eventually met in the middle and we replaced two cylinder heads Okay. And the truck is rolling right now. Bill was 10,000 and some odd dollars, $10,700. Okay. That truck has averaged $8,000 a week. So why would we not spend the money? Why would we turn this, this, this truck into a boat anchor, which is what he wanted to do. Oh man, I don't know. I don't know if this is worth fixing. Well, I've got all the data that says how much that truck is made. Um, there's how every decision is made with this right here. And we put it in the calculator and went, it's absolutely worth fixing this truck. So come on. He's like, well, you know, there's going to be some air freight. I don't give a shit. That truck will make that air freight back in four hours. Ship it. Let's go. Get the thing moving. And then I said one more thing. I said, all right, one more thing I need to talk to you about. He was like, okay, what's, what's that? And I said, please do not, in your pursuit to get to the, the heads that are the problem. We know what the problem is. Please don't take broken shit off of my truck and set it off to the side and then put the new stuff on and then pick that broken shit up and stick it back on the truck. If you encounter broken shit on your way, replace it. If it's less than a hundred dollar part, don't even call me. Just do it. Well, oh, okay. I said, listen, I want you to go out there right now. Trucks disassembled, right? Yep. The heads are all off. I want you to look at every hose. I want you to look at every clamp. I want you to look at every pipe. All right. It, it, and I know how these, these shop mechanics are. They've got everything laid out and real nice and pretty. I want you to go out there and look at it all. Okay. And if you find something that sucks, 
I want you to put it on that air freight order with the rest of this stuff. And so he went out there and he came back and he goes, well, you know, really everything's in real good shape and, and we couldn't really find anything. And so, you know, it was, it was just a bunch of little shit, right? But she's back hauling freight. The truck was down a week. Okay. I go at that with that confidence. Number one, I know the numbers. I know what the truck costs. I know what the truck can make. I know what the split is. I know how much we need to pay the driver. And I know how quickly that truck will make that, that $10,000 back. Okay. And it'll easily within about 10 weeks be completely clear as if it never happened. But that's not the case if that truck's got a $4,000, well, even a $2,300 a month payment. How confidently are you going to pull that trigger on that $10,000 bill? Number one, if you're broke, you don't have any money. And number two, if you've got this monstrous truck payment chasing you like the snowball down the hill, right? So it's very easy. Um, uh, to do that. Well, let me look at you could make payments on a new truck with a warranty for four months instead of putting $10,000 on a $5,000 truck. That's horse shit. Run on down to the dealership and, and ask everybody parked in there how, how long they've been waiting on parts and what year their truck is. Okay. Warranty is useless. Everybody hear me very clearly. Warranty is useless. Warranty is useless. Warranty doesn't pay your downtime. Warranty doesn't pay your truck payments. Technicians hate warranties. Shops hate warranties. I hate warranties because I have watched people go broke sitting around a truck stop with their thumb up their ass waiting on some jackass in a cubicle somewhere to tell them, oh, well, we're not going to cover that. We're not going to fix that. People put faith in these warranties like they're some kind of magic. They're not, especially this aftermarket stuff. I mean, you, you talk about the damn, the absolute joke, right? And see, I've got to watch it on this side because it's so easy to say, well, well, you know, you can make payments on a new truck. That's that. Uh, Y'all probably don't remember this, but about 25 years ago or whatever, George W. Bush talked about fuzzy math. Fuzzy, what's fuzzy math? See, that's the problem with your fuzzy math. I've watched it destroy people. I watched warranty put a guy out of business because if he'd have just had the money, his truck would have been rolling in five days. But instead, it sat there six weeks while the shop foreman is fighting back and forth trying to get the warranty company to pay half of this bill. Well, guess what happened while he's waiting on this dog and pony show? The truck gets repossessed. So everybody take this advice. You could make payments on a new truck with a warranty for four months instead of putting 10000 in a $5,000 truck and burn it. If you want to stay in business long-term. Now, if you want to be like the rest of the truck drivers, right, that pretend to be owner-operators, like the guy that took the hood off our truck the other night in, Jack in uh, Jackson, Tennessee, that was a complete belligerent prick, wouldn't give us his insurance information, wouldn't give us the phone number to the carrier, just about started to move the truck and do more damage to the truck. And I thought my driver was going to whoop him, right? And I hired a tow truck to go over there 
and pick this trailer up off the front of our truck as to keep from doing any more damage. Well, guess what happened when I called Schneider? Hey, man, I need y'all to pay this record bill. Okay, well, let me connect you to the maintenance department. See, there was no emotion. It was just people doing business. The lady gets a phone call. Hey, man, your truck just hit my truck. Okay, well, gosh, that's terrible. Um, Here's the claim number, and I'll, I'll email you the claim number, and I'll get you to the maintenance people, and they'll pay the record bill. But instead, this owner-operator wearing his flip-flops that destroyed our truck through his carelessness because he didn't care. And then he gets lip and attitude instead of just saying, you know what, man, I'm sorry I fucked up. Sorry I hit your truck. Here's my insurance information. Here's my identification. Here's my company's phone number. Uh, Let's just get it worked out. And it would have been fine. You don't think in 25 years of truck and truck driving that I never screwed anything up, never hit anybody's truck. Absolutely. I did. And when I did, I went, Oh my gosh, I've, I've done something terrible. I'm so sorry. Here's my insurance information. Here's my identification. Here's my truck number, my trailer number, my company. They will be glad to make you whole because that's why we pay for insurance, but no, not flip flop, not flip flop. The super trucker, he's going to be a belligerent prick about it. Uh, and there's Evan. He's watching. Thought he's going to lose his voice that night. Yeah, boy, he was screeching going after old boy. It's just, it's, it's just, it's just common decency. You know, if you, if you, if you tear up somebody's stuff, just say you're sorry uh, and give your insurance information. I don't have to be all this drama. You know, if you truck more than five minutes, you're going to screw something up. You know, you're going to, you're going to hit some, you're going to hit a pole or, you're going to tear up somebody's truck or tear up their grass, you know, just, uh, just say you're sorry, give up the insurance information and then try not to do it again. You know, I mean, catch up on, uh, where's the bald man? The bald man is resting tonight. Richie Schneider owner operator makes big boo boo and comes, becomes complete asshole. Yeah. That was him. Um, let's see Mike chill learned a lot from you guys appreciate that Mike uh let's see Steve and Rocky are talking back and forth that Rocky okay Rocky Rockefeller North Florida MD alignment if I have a question about alignment like I did this week because I'm putting this truck together and I had to order a torque rod and I'm like hey Rocky what you reckon I ought to do Rocky gave me some information when I got out my tape measure and I went, yep, that'll work. And that's what I ordered. Uh, Phil says there's a Schneider egg in my yard. What should I do? Get every vehicle you own away from it. Um, surround Bill Taylor, surround yourself with successful people will help you stay in business. Yes, it will. And Bill Taylor has been in business long enough to know. See a bunch of y'all, should be finding people like Bill Taylor and say, Hey, Bill, how'd you do it? And then listen, because you have two ears and one mouth. And the biggest problem we have in America these days is people use too much of one and not the other. Sometimes you just need shh, shh, just, just shut up. Just be quiet. Listen. And sometimes that works the other way because like when people want to tell you that you're better off getting a truck payment, well, just, just, shh, just listen. 
promise you they'll eventually give you the reason to take whatever advice they give you and throw it in the garbage. Matthew, I had a kid at the TA trying to tell me the pitman arm on a steering box was wore out because there was a gap between the two tabs that the clamping bolt goes through. Oh, my gosh. We watched a junior mechanic measure our transmission fluid level on our Chevy 3500 six times while wiping the dipstick on his pants. Uh, well, there was two dipsticks involved in that story. He tried to add a cork and using the same shop for years, spoke with the owner, and he put a stop to it right away. I've got the chocolate milk story from years ago where a TA mechanic said our oil looked like chocolate milk, which I automatically freaked out because when oil and coolant mix, it, it becomes milky. Turns out this, 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 this cracker head was looking at a coolant filter housing on a DD-15 and thought that was oil. And I called the shop, and this is a famous Larry Long story. I called the shop, and I said, hey, listen, please get he who doesn't know the difference between oil and coolant away from my truck. And she got nasty, and Larry was on the three-way, and I just hit the mute and waited on an explosion. And Larry Long hit her like a freight train. And she got a five-minute lecture on what it's like to be an employee versus what it's like to be a manager. And if you're going to be in charge and you're the manager, and it was epic, absolutely epic. Had an owner-operator stay out all week waiting on a $250 headlight bucket he bought off of eBay. Lost a potential $5,000 in revenue to save $200 on a headlight. Crazy. Just, just order it. I mean, that's what savings are for. But the problem is everybody's broke. Uh, Steve said, I was a little disappointed about diesel laptop. I have Cummins. We have a diesel laptop at the shop. And I got to say, I I mean, I have, I'm, I need to stop. I just, I haven't been all that impressed with it, but they, they seem to like it. Um, <laughs> yeah, people on TikTok um, aren't very smart because they don't, they don't know what the term knuckle dragger means, which, you know, anyway. <laughs> Uh, oh, uh oh, my wife's in the chat. People, everybody behave. Am I reading that correct? Make make payments on a new truck with only four month warranty payments. Have interest slapped on it, and then what do you do after the warranty is gone? Pay cash for a truck and invest it to fix it up. Hey, I mean, she's been around some pretty smart people. Um, D sixty four Falcon just. Learned about you guys three weeks ago. I've owned a lunatic truck for five years, 2000 century, spent seven grand, have about 50 in it over the years. Now it's still going strong at 1.6 million. That's what we love to hear. Um, hey, Chris, how profitable is the classic XL in your fleet compared to the C120s? Would you recommend one or a Coronado? Um, okay, we had a classic. Um, and the only reason, the only reason that that truck was in our fleet was one, it was owned by Rocky. Okay. Rocky used to be a BCO. Okay. And he loved that truck and he got so busy with the alignments that he just basically parked the truck and wanted somebody to operate it. So because it was Rocky's truck. Okay. And that was probably the cleanest most mechanically sound classic XL in the history of classic XLs because it was Rockies. We put it in our fleet 
And Larry kind of bought it for me because I'm a boy and I like trucks. And he kind of bought it for me to to play with, right? And then we put a guy in it pulling heavy haul, and he immediately totaled it. <clears throat> now, we had that truck over seven miles per gallon, okay? Uh, we fixed it after the wreck, put it back on the road, and then Rocky ended up selling it to a guy. It's been repainted. It's beautiful now. Um, but, okay, I would never, ever, 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 as much as I loved that truck, okay, I adored that. Listen, y'all, it was a classic XL with an 84-inch bunk, 13-speed, 12.7 Detroit. I loved that truck, but I would never, ever in a million years suggest a first-time owner-operator buy a classic XL ever, okay? You need the cheapest, most efficient truck you can buy. One of the reasons that the FLD platform in general is not a good choice is because parts availability is becoming more difficult with the FLD platform. Now, the Century, Columbia, they still made up to 2020. 20, hell, they might still be making them some limited, but I've seen 2020 gliders. I think it was a 2021 at the shop. So they're still making the body parts and the, and the panels and all that kind of stuff. Um, uh, so you parts availability for the C120 platform is not an issue, okay? So as much as I love the 379s, the W9s, the big international hoods, the Freightliner, I love those trucks, okay? Because I'm a, I'm a truck driver at heart, okay? But if you get one of those as your first truck, you're adding an unacceptable level of risk to your business and your business, your new business is already at risk enough. Okay. There's enough risk. This, this industry is full of risk. We need to limit it where we can. And one of the ways we're going to do that is no 379s, no W9s, no, no big uh, corn binders and no classic Excels. Okay. Now, you get your business three to five years going down the road and, you know, and, and then you want to go crazy and go get you a big hood. Great. Okay. But in the beginning, absolutely not. No, 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 no classics, no 379s, no W9s. Okay. Stop it. Um, oh, let me look at TikTok cause I've kind of ignored TikTok. Uh, what happened with the general union? Okay, we saw that. Saw your video on the man that wanted to come into your program. Yep. Ben, then what are you using for your podcast setup? Um, this is a Shure SM7 microphone. I have a um, Roadcaster Pro 2. Sorry, my desk is a disaster, but shit happens. Um, and I use a free website called Video Ninja, VDO.ninja. To, to put this video up and that allows me to put that video on my Mac. And over here I have a Satan machine, windows machine, because that's all TikTok live studio will run on. So over here in the corner, I have a windows machine that's sending the TikTok out. And then I have my Mac that I'm sending to YouTube and Facebook going through restream. So I have OBS studio set up. OBS sends to Facebook YouTube, Twitter, and then I have X, uh, TikTok Live Studio on my Windows machine, and Video Ninja sends the signal everywhere. 
Uh, and, and you don't need, like, you don't need the roadcaster. You need a USB interface and a decent mic and some headphones. Uh, let's see. How do you truck factory? How do you about starting authority right now? You don't, you do not start an authority right now. No, don't do it. Um, especially if you're a first, remember our audience is first time. Okay. If you have no business experience, okay. Even if you do everything right, you pay cash for a truck, you pay cash for a trailer, you got a pile of cash. Had a guy come to us a couple years ago. He's like, man, I want to, I want to buy a truck, but I don't want to go to truck driving school. And I don't want to do that. And I, and he's like, I want you to mentor me and I'm gonna get my own authority. And I said, the only way I'll do that is if you put $250,000 into an escrow account where only I have access to it. And then I'll, and then I'll help you. He's like, well, that's unreasonable. I said, so is getting your own authority with no experience. Um, so no, you need to lease to a carrier, right? You need to, you need, you need to go slowly and then spread your wings and fly. Absolutely do not under any circumstances Get your own authority. If you've never had a business, uh, you've never been in business, and you're just some truck driver that reads, that watches bullshit TikToks about how easy it is uh, to get your own authority, do not do it. Uh, Mother trucker, maybe the small business and maybe the small business and lead board loads, but the big trucking companies have the contracts. Yeah, but they have contracts you don't want. You really want to sign up to haul 50,000 loads of toilet paper from Georgia Pacific? Let Schneider have it. Let him have it. Uh, any openings? Um, yes, limited. I mean, we've we've got people in the pipeline, and we've got trucks coming. But go to the website, blueribbonlogistics.com, and there's a uh, um, join the program. You can read about the masterclass. Uh, thank you for sharing the knowledge. It's priceless. You're welcome. Do you think it's valid to buy a $40,000 truck that's ready to roll? Good question. Okay, we came up with $40,000. Well, back up. Larry came up with the number $40,000 to acquire a truck and get it ready to haul freight. Okay, and again, that number came from here. I want you to kind of think about it like you would think about an investment, okay? An investment in whatever is going to bring X number of return. $40,000 is a reasonable amount of capital to spend for the return that a properly run trucking company can bring you, okay? Here's the problem, and this is where people like Rocky can testify, okay? Rocky will tell you with absolute authority that a brand new truck needs an alignment. Okay. Your brand new truck with warranty um, is going to destroy tires very quickly because they don't put a lot of time into the alignment coming off the factory. They don't have enough time to do a proper alignment. So their, their specs are literally the steers can be pointing this way or they can be pointing that way. As long as they're within 
here to here, they're okay. And the, the front drive axle can be pointing here or here, and the rear drive axle can be pointing here or here. And anywhere in there, it's okay. Those are the build specs, and that's what they program into the hunter machine at the truck stop. So when the grease monkey tells you that you're in the green, that means your truck can be pointing six different directions and oh, you're good. And they've never checked your bearings. They've never checked your bushings. They've never checked your torque rods. They've never checked your tie rods to know that that truck is capable of holding a good alignment. Okay. So let's say we find a good $40,000 truck. I promise you the bushings and torque rods are junk. The wheel bearings are loose and the tie rods are probably shot. Okay. Well, that's probably $3,500 plus an alignment. Okay. Um, it probably needs new shocks. It probably is going to need some air, uh, airbags. It's probably going to need some, um, uh, you know, shocks. And um, remember, I'm getting to the $40,000 number at 40 grand. I'm ready to go. I got new bushings. I got new shocks. I got airbags. I got brakes. I've gone through the thing top to bottom, back to front. I've got an OPS on it. I've got a fleet air filter in it. I've got fresh oil in it. Um, I've run an overhead. I've replaced every piece of rubber in the cooling system. Like when I'm, when I'm at 40 grand, y'all, she's ready to haul freight. There's no question, right? So when you, when you buy $40,000 truck that's ready to roll, your version of ready to roll and my version of ready to roll m might be two very, very different things. But I just saw, uh, did Rocky pop one up here? Uh, I thought I saw, oh, oh, Willie, Willie Lee Kersley. Just done a 2024 KW T680 that I picked up brand new that was out 330 seconds. Listen, y'all, I don't know if y'all seen the price of tires here lately. Our super singles are $1,100 a piece at our cost. Okay. So that means the really good Michelin duels are about the same. You know, they're going to be somewhere between $1,050 and $1,200 for, for a couple for, for a set of duels. Why? Are we going to spend that much money on tires? Even if you're going to buy junk, double coin junk, and your truck will destroy the steer tires in 60,000 miles, we get 180,000 miles out of steers. We can get 350,000 miles out of a set of drives if the driver drives it right and we keep it aligned and we keep it inflated and we rotate them accordingly, right? So you just got to, you really got to think about what does ready to roll mean? I wish, I wish your knowledge is taught in trucking schools. <laughs> I'll actually have a conversation with the local trucking school. I may come up and go up there and blow their mind one of these days. One truck owner operator, Laredo, Silverback Logistics, big fan. Have you some of your suggestions? Well, thank you, sir. Jerry Santa Cruz. Passing the buck is what company drivers are taught in training. Well, that's true, 100%. But, but I mean, what else are they going to teach them? Have y'all seen this story out of, uh, oh, have y'all seen this story out of Massachusetts where these four state troopers were like taking bribes and, and it was dumb stuff like a snowblower, you know, to give some idiot that couldn't pass the test. Well, hey man, if you give me a snowblower, 
I'll I'll pass you. God Almighty. Um, so many different ones on the Play Store. Uh, so with Landstar still the best bet to learn starting off? I think so. Because, um, what's that old? I, I see this meme all the time with Sam Elliott, and it says, you know, life's hard. It's harder if you're stupid. Listen, if you're it, it, Landstar, if you fail, your fault. If you succeed, your fault. Right? I mean, it's it's just it's just a system that you can operate in or not. Um, but for us, Landstar provides the most amount of risk protection. Okay, the the that's that's you get a completely even playing field, whether you want to believe it or not. It's a 100% even playing field. Everybody shows up bald and naked, you know, just like you came out of your mother's womb. Everybody's the same. Everybody starts as what you do with it being on that point is completely up to you. Um, and if you're useless, um, you're going to hate Landstar. Um, so I think that Landstar, maybe Mercer, uh, but Landstar, for the first time owner operator, it's the best path. If you want to have your own authority and you want to build up, great, great. But if you want to survive long enough to actually do that right, I would start at a carrier and I would do it at Landstar. Uh, what's the comparison from Landstar to Mercer for an owner operator flatbed? I mean, I. I don't have any personal experience. So anything that I tell you is anecdotal. Um, I've heard people say they don't like Mercer because there's still a hierarchy. There's still kind of a seniority system. I've heard, but I've heard people leave Landstar and go to Mercer and absolutely love it. I don't like the idea of having to wait. If there's a load on the board, just like with Landstar, I see it on the board. I call it. If it's available, I book it. Right. I don't have to. Oh, well, you know, it's not your turn. No, I'm not doing that. Um, as far as um, the truck restriction, I don't know. I, I've not heard that. Um, I don't know. But I've heard people say that about Landstar, and it's not true. If your truck has an electronic engine, you can lease it on the Landstar, period. That gets you everything from about 93 or 94 up that you can lease on the Landstar. Uh, face shutter, what's included in the 30% the Landstar takes? Thinking about applying to drive there. Okay, number one, Landstar does not take 35%. They give 65% of their money. They don't take 35% of your money. Um, it's Landstar's money, Okay. The money comes into Landstar. The truck gets 65%. If you have a trailer, depending on if it's a van or a flatbed, you get seven or eight for your trailer. The agent, depending on their contract, gets seven or eight. Um, so, like, I have a truck sitting right now that has a motor out of it. And so every week I do that truck settlement. And that truck has a burn rate of about 100 and, I don't know, like $110 a week. Okay. So here's one way I can answer that. Larry and I were throwing around the idea of what if we, what if we put a truck in the system just 
and its only purpose was to sit there as a spare. What's the exposure? And so we went through and we figured up physical damage insurance and we figured up, you know, um, access lanced online and the pre-pass and the, this, that, and the other. And it was $8,000 that if you had a truck leased on a Landstar on January 1st, and it never pulled a load until January 1st of the next year, it would cost $8,000. And that covers all of your, what we would call the settlement deductions for anything else. So I can tell you that our profitability numbers are absolutely destroying every industry average that we see. Doesn't matter if it comes from DAT. When I look at the numbers that, um, somebody help me. Who's the guy that has the podcast hauling assets. Okay. He publishes his numbers every month. Okay. I, and I'm taking him at his word that those are his real numbers. Um, they were destroying those numbers like by a wide margin. Okay. He's got multiple trucks. He's got 11 or 12. We've got 11 or 12, depending on, um, it's not even close. It's not even close. So the idea that we're somehow losing something, I mean, it's either made up in the, um, uh, in the, in the fuel discounts that we get, um, you know, we buy those super singles at a whole lot less money than what they cost retail. Um, the efficiency of the billing, there's no factoring cost, zero. Um, so to me, it's, I, again, that th this is the difference between us and other people, um, especially the, the trolls in my comment section on, on YouTube and, and, on, and mainly on TikTok. Okay. I am, I'm more than happy for y'all to bring the data and, and put it in here, but they won't cause they don't, they just, they're just repeating nonsense that they've heard from some other truck driver. <clears throat> uh, I've heard Landstar has great freight for curtain side trailers. I can testify that to be true. We've had a Conestoga. Is Phil in here? Phil, I think Phil might be driving. I don't know. A year and a half. We've had a, a Conestoga and it's been a moneymaker. So I would say, yeah. Um, do you feel that Landstar's hazmat and criminal conviction requirements limit your recruiting pool? Yes. There in the, in the years we've been doing this, there's been, I can think of three or four people that we really wanted to hire because we could tell they had the right attitude and all we got was they don't qualify. They wouldn't even tell the person. Oh, there's Phil. How long have we had that Conestoga Phil? Um, um, and we don't know why. We can only assume it had something to do with their background. And it and it and it made me mad every time because here was a person who I could tell had the character, had the attitude, had everything that they needed to do to come be successful in our program, and probably because of some bullshit conviction they had 20 years ago. Uh, they couldn't get in. So, yeah, it's absolutely happened. Uh, if you ever break down Eastern Kentucky, I want someone competent to fix your truck. I'll hook you up. All right. See Gibson 11. Well, do more than that. Give us a name. Like what's the name of the business and where it's at. Eastern Kentucky is a big place. Is insurance included? Yes. We pay like for most of our trucks, the cheap trucks. Um, 
$150 a month for physical damage. Our bobtail is $31 a week or $35 a week. It's 35 bucks a week for bobtail, and our cargo liability is zero. Truck drivers always tell the truth. Yeah, they do. Uh, and she, Chris, went from three tucks to 12 in a year, so it remains to be seen how it really pans out. All oh, hauling assets. Yeah. I, listen, I think he's an interesting guy, and I appreciate what he does and how he does it, okay? Because I think this is my assumption. I think he assumes that there are people that will bypass what we think they should do, and they're going to go straight that route. And so he is giving them the information that they need to have to go that way because they may tell me, screw you, I'm not leasing to a carrier. So somebody's got to put the information out there the way that they do on hauling assets. So I would say uh, I wouldn't do it that way because it's risky as hell. Now, of course, he's a businessman. And he was a businessman from before he started this this hauling assets project. Um, so uh, <clears throat> I ran into a driver saying he was making over $35,000 a month running from Pacific Northwest to Texas with the CY, CV. I don't know what that, Conestoga maybe. Well, 35 grand a month, is that gross or net, right? Um, I mean, our goal was 40,000 a month and that's hauling general freight and drive in gross, which works out to 25 or, you know, you and hauling assets are polar opposites in business adventure, but similar in business handling. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're not opposite. I don't think we're opposite in philosophy um, because we both understand it's all about the difference between revenue and expenses. We got to get the revenue as high as possible. We got to keep the expenses as low as possible. Um, but I, you know, I guess the biggest difference in our philosophy is I think the first time owner operator should lease to a carrier before they go out and get their own authority. And listen, like I said before, the, the, the landscape is littered with the corpses of dead, dead trucking companies right now. <clears throat> Excuse me. I don't usually talk this much. So my, let me, all right, I'm rolling through. Um, let me look at these YouTube comments because y'all went crazy for a minute. And now I'm trying to catch up. Uh Uh, the people talking about about fuel. Mark Ely's in the house. Have a thirteen thousand dollar week plan for next week. Well, but I love weeks like that. Uh, <clears throat> Landstar, they won't touch me. Authorities, I've been to. I don't know what that means. Uh. What's the eight grand cost, the insurance and Landstar tools? Yeah, like we pay $3.69 a week for access to the Landstar system, All right? So that times 52. Uh, Pre-pass, $2.50 a week times 52. Um, your physical damage insurance, depending on the value of your truck. Um, base plates and permits, 
you know, base plate, I think now is $1,800 or something like that. Permits, $200 a year. Uh, just, just all that, all that little stuff. Um, um, do, 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 do. Y'all got all these side conversations. Going. Yeah, there's Phil. We've had the Conestoga about two years and it has made copious amounts of money. Um, I'm going to tell you right now, just this is observation. If I was going to like invest, uh, it would probably a Conestoga, a flatbed Conestoga, because it's so versatile. You can haul flatbed stuff on it. You can haul van stuff in it. Um, so uh, it's crazy. Uh, I guess y'all must be talking about Joel Morrow. He's that fuel mileage fanatic. He's got that Volvo. Uh, we actually learned about you guys listening to Hollandats podcast. We think his mistake is he buys all brand new trucks. Yeah, but I don't think he's necessarily doing that now. I, I think he's got some older trucks because I just saw he had an episode. What was I need to listen to it? I guess it was what you know what was better, old or new. But again, it comes down to like the t- today. Okay, the interview guy today was going to pay $76,000 for a truck that I would only pay twenty five for. Okay, well, who's going to who's going to decide two trucks sitting side by side? You pay $50,000 more for one than the other, right? Um, Green handle gang, I've made it eight years, never leased on with anyone. Okay, you are the exception, not the rule. And my hat's off. Well, my hat would be off if I didn't have hands, uh, headset on. But those of you that do your own authority and do it well, you have my absolute respect because it's hard. Okay? It's very hard. You deserve the accolades and the credit for making it eight years. I guess... From my perspective, okay, I see people, every one of them comes to us with the desire, oh, man, I want to I wanna have my own truck. Uh-huh. Sure you do. Uh, you know, I, 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 don't, I don't believe that's true because I'm not seeing, I'm not seeing you put the work ethic into it. I'm not seeing you throw away, like recognize here's something I've always done. I've always done it this way. And I will hold on to that and never let go of it when you should let go of it. Let it go. You know, you have to be willing to have very, very like deeply held beliefs and go, oh my gosh, I believe something stupid. I'm going to let go of that and and replace it with something better. Do we do oversize? Um, The short answer is no. But it's not an absolute no. Remember that what we do here, like in football, is blocking and tackling. Okay? I can teach you business, hauling general freight in a drive van. Okay? And I don't have to worry about you being distracted from what you're really here for, which is to learn business, by over-specializing. Okay? And, and we did this a few years ago with the guy that totaled Rocky's truck. He, he wanted to do oversize and all this stuff. And, and it was hurting revenue. 
right? Because we were we're going on looking for that stuff. Now we have a guy now who has worked kind of worked himself up to where he could start doing some oversized, overdimensional stuff. And so we're not against sprinkling that in, but we're not going to go hunting for it. We're not going to, um, we're, we're not, we're not going to try to dedicate ourselves to that kind of freight. If it comes along, great. We'll, we'll grab it and haul it. Um, but, but the mission here is to teach you the basics of business and, and teach you the habits, right? When you get a superstar that comes along and we've got a couple of those, we have four phases, one, two, three, four. Okay. Well, phase four is where all the meat and taters are. That's teaching you how to do bookkeeping, teaching you how to read the settlements, teaching you all that stuff. Phase one, two, and three is just getting you to, to, to learn how to maximize revenue and, and lower expenses. And, um, the superstars will get bored, right? They'll get bored and they'll be like, well, man, look, I've seen behind the curtain and I can book loads and I'm, you know, I'm something else. I'm looking at you, Barb. Um, love you sister. Um, but they'll get bored. Right. And they'll think, Oh man, I'm booking my own loads and I'm doing this and I've got this shit figured out. Well, next Thursday, they're both coming to town for our four, phase four training where I'm going to solidly punch them in the mouth with QuickBooks and they're going to go, okay, I'm not bored anymore. Right. Um, do you still avoid trucks between 2010 and 2014? Yes. And it's 2008 to 2015. That's the absolute no go. If it was, if it's an 08 to a 15 negative, I don't care. You can't give it to me. If you give it to me, we're going to go, part it out we're going to strip the transmission and rear ends and everything good out of it and then the motor is going to go uh, in a scrap pile just out of curiosity how many people has entered your program and how many people have graduated and own their own truck um well larry's not here and he has all of those exact data now we have richie has his truck um seth owns his truck um so we've had to move on with their own truck. And then we've got three or four more right now that are, that are quickly heading in that direction. Um, but I'm not going to quote those numbers because I don't have them memorized like Larry does or hell, I don't have them wrote down like he does. Um, so anyway, okay. Well, you know what? Let's do this. Let's talk about the sponsor for a minute. We'd like to thank Pittsburgh Power for being our sponsor. We are going to be at the Louisville Truck Show in March. And if I remember the schedule correctly, we're going to be in the Pittsburgh Power booth in that general area. And that's where all of our people are. MD Alignment, Fleet Air Filter, Fast Systems, Pittsburgh Power, all right there in that little uh, area. We're going to be there Friday hanging out. And on Saturday, we're going to be in the Landstar booth hanging out. So you can come see us in either location Friday or, or Saturday. <clears throat> we're going to probably move around Thursday. Well, maybe with some costumes and disguises on so we can actually get to see the show. Uh, but we'll be moving around Thursday. 
But uh, Friday will be our dedicated days to be with the sponsor, Pittsburgh Power. We run the Pittsburgh Power Catalyst in anything from 2004 up. So anything that has any kind of emissions, the EGR, DPF, SCR, uh, we're running that catalyst because it has proven itself to be the product that saves emission systems. Uh, I was just at the shop yesterday talking with the DPF alternatives guys. And with DPF alternatives, if they clean your stuff and you run the catalyst, you get a lifetime warranty just from running the catalyst because it's that good. There she is. Barbara's in the house. I was just talking about you. Um, and, uh, of course, we run the OPS. We're stocking distributors of the OPS. Um, we can put them on for you now. Come on through the shop, and we'll install it. Um, the, um, um, uh, with the OPS, I mean, again, data. Everything is data-driven. We go back to the calculator. That's how we make every decision. Um, 1.8 million miles on a Mercedes. Um and I've got to believe that it was the OPS that helped us do that. Uh, but even if you don't do extended drains, even if you don't take it as far as we do, the, the ability to get that sample out of your engine every 20, 25,000 miles, um, it's invaluable, you know, to be out here. I know what's going on inside my engine because I can look at this oil sample and it will tell me I've got wear metals. I've got, contaminants i got fuel dilution you know and fuel dilution is a big problem uh unfortunately that we're facing right now because of injectors they suck right you can't buy new injectors for a series 60 and i'm assuming the same is the case for the other manufacturers it's all reman junk and a friend of mine two friends of mine are, are fighting and have been fighting fuel dilution forever and so when the one friend, Randy, calls me, hey, man, I'm still fighting dilution, I'm like, well, hey, let me go to my buddy Dan, I mean, because he's a guru. And so I send Randy's oil sample to Dan, and Dan goes, his isn't anywhere near as bad as mine is. And it's just, it's become something that we have to live with, which sucks to be in the most advanced society in the history of man, and we can't buy a damn decent injector. It sucks. I hate it. But it is what it is, so... Uh, we keep sampling, you know, uh, but I've heard of people, well, I've heard anecdotally Pittsburgh Power saying that people have changed injectors six and seven times before they got a good set. That's what we have to deal with here in the land of the free. Um, you can't, you can't get anything that's worth a damn. And aftermarket, why have you not responded? I see what I need to talk to like Doug Cook. You know, Motion Race Works. You know, here's a guy who left the sales world because he's a gearhead and he loves racing and drag racing. And he saw that nobody was making good parts. And so he has um, has built an amazing company building incredible aftermarket products for the racing community. We need that in diesel. You know, I... I mean, I'm, I'm watching these guys, what they're doing with CNC machines. Well, hell, why can't we do it? My, my broke ass can't do it. And so unfortunately we're going to need somebody with some money, right? Um, uh, 18 Cascadia. So 
we haven't quoted all these out exactly. I know it's about four hours of labor. Okay. So at our shop, that's going to be $440. Um, and the system costs about 900. So you're probably looking, I'd just say 13, $1,500 installed, um, out the door. We'll start buying more modern trucks. Is this a question or a statement? We'll start buying more modern trucks with tips and tricks on how to maintain them. Will we? Yeah. We're calling it the lunatic 2.0 because we know there just comes a point where they're not, you know, it's not going to be sustainable for ever to run 2000 to 2007 trucks. Now I'm going to run them as long as I can run them. And the Cascades aren't terrible. I hate T680s with a passion, um, and it's all about the body. It has nothing to do with the drivetrain. Not a big fan of the Packard motor. Um, so the Cascadia is kind of what we're doing. We've got a couple of them with DT12s, but my God, I mean, y'all, 12 grand to put in a transmission. You know, $6,500 to do a clutch. It's just... You know, it's just insane, um, but it is what it is, you know? And so, but right now we're still at the point where going back to that $40,000 number, I can still get more truck from a 2007 spending $40,000 than I can um, from a Cascadia. You know, the DD15 is an amazing engine. It's an incredible engine. Uh, but we know we got to do bottom ends about nine hundred, eight, nine hundred thousand miles. Well, that's five grand. You know, uh, you got to keep that emission system clean. That's not cheap. Um, the if you if you, I mean, there's just so many people that have been then been forced into the slavery of these automatic transmission restrictions. I'd love to. I'm not a violent person, but, you know, if I was going to be rounding people up, I'd like to find the people that came up with this automatic transmission restriction and dig a big hole. Um, you know, it, it's just slavery. It's just corporate, state, corporate, public, private, yuck, you know, and they get away with it. So if you're looking at getting into the trucking industry, go see that chick down in, Mississippi or Louisiana, where she had three girls trucking something. She trains on all, on manuals, right? That's who you need to talk to. <clears throat> uh, would be nice to find a one-stop shop to lunatic my cast. Well, that's what we're working on with camps. That's what we're, I mean, he's only been in the shop a month, the new shop. But that's kind of what we're looking for. So you can come in and roll it in the shop and roll back out because we've got DPF alternatives just down the road. So, uh, you know, pull it in the shop, yank the filters out of it, take them down the road, have them clean, put the OPS on fleet air filter and do all that stuff. Um, and just one stop shop. That's, that's, that's kind of the goal that we have. Um, <laughs> Barb's diesel diagnostics repair and innovation shop coming to a trucking hub near you in five to 10 years. Listen, don't doubt this chick y'all. She's going to do it. Why would a company like I'm with with 700 trucks been business since 1972 and they do a PM every 15,000 miles, all filters are on. Why wouldn't they use the OPS system? 
Um, it's like a baby that's sitting in a poopy diaper. I know it smells and stinks, but it's mine. It's warm and I like it. Um, it's marketing to an extent. It's, um, you know, I, you know, I, I feel like I could convince them, you know, but if changing their oil every 15,000 miles and they, um, it works, it's going to be hard to take, turn them off of that, you know? Um, but I certainly am not going to throw good oil away every 15,000 miles just because, you know, that's, I'm, I'm not doing that. Uh, Ahmed, plan on getting a truck. What's your recommendation, Kenworth Freightliner? Um, listen, if we were still in like 2001, it'd be a Kenworth or Peterbilt, you know, but we're not in 2001 anymore. We're in 2023. Freightliner has a better dealer network uh, because they're associated with Detroit Diesel. It's a better much as I hate to say this, it makes me want to throw up in my mouth a little bit. Okay. Um, that, that we've migrated to a time when Freightliner and, and, and Detroit Daimler has become this, this thing that is, that's better than Picar. Okay. There I said it, I said it and I said it out loud and I'm not going to apologize for it. We had a couple of T680s. Okay. We, we had one that a guy had bought from, a guy that has the FedEx contractor deal, right? And they just run them to a million miles. And this was an 18 and this was in 2020. So the truck was literally like two and a half years old, had a million miles on it. Okay. Dude got it, got a steal on it, but it's set at like 65. And I go to the Franklin or the Frank or Kenworth dealer. I'm like, Hey man, we need to turn this thing up. And he's like, well, have you got Kenworth's permission? I'm like the hell do I need Kenworth's permission to do shit. Oh yeah, you you gotta you gotta get permission from Kenworth to turn the speed up. No, no, I don't. You don't y'all don't y'all don't understand how this ownership thing works in private property. No, you gotta have Kenworth. No, screw Kenworth. Okay, and Kenworth can eat a dick. Um, and then trying to get parts. Oh my god. I mean, we have a we have a good dealer here. Um, with a, an amazing parts person, her name's Pam and she's outstanding and trying to find parts for these godforsaken Kenworths. There's like no, there's no pictures. And so you're just trying to explain. And then on a T680, they had this stupid pipe deal, right? It had coolant run through it and it looked like a little spider and it had all these pipes coming off of it. And one was leaking. And Carl told me, and he's like, Hey man, this thing's leaking. I'll take a picture of it. I send it up. She's like, well, I'll have to look around because we don't have no pictures in here. And come to find out. Oh, well, they, they have to, they have to special order those every single time you order one. Like they're not on the shelf. No, no, they're, they're not on the shelf. They, they literally have to make this part. It's just stupid. Uh, so sorry. I mean, I'll throw in, I'll turn in my card, right? That I say Freightliner is better than Packard, but there it is. I've said it. And I've said it out loud. Um, it sucks. It sucks. Um, 
the folks talking about trucking are making more than the actual people doing trucking. What the hell does that mean? I don't even understand it. The folks talking about trucking are making more money than the actual people doing That's bullshit. Uh, Listen, as one person who talks about trucking, I wish that was true. I wish I could sit here and talk about trucking and not do trucking and make money, but that would be awesome. But that's living in a fantasy world that doesn't exist. Uh, rider runs trucks to 75 K with no OPS. Well, but the, like the, even the Detroit, um, the DD 15 manual says you run them up to 60,000 now. I mean, they've kind of got bypass built into it. Um, so that's one of the, it's one of the culture things, right? When I tell someone, and I've seen this on our like TikToks where I talk about trucks using oil. And it blows people's minds because from the history of diesel engines, they used oil. But now these newer trucks don't use oil is like a standard thing. It was always normal to put a gallon of oil in a truck about 10,000 miles, you know, but now they don't. And so when you, you take somebody that's never been in an old school truck and you're like, dude, are you checking the oil? No. Why you check the oil? Because it uses oil. Why does it use oil? Because it's a diesel, you know? And then the damn thing comes in, it's three gallons low on oil because they won't open the freaking hood. You know, it's, it's a it's a culture thing, you know? I it To me, it's not shocking at all um, to have a truck use a gallon or two of oil. That's completely standard. But I guess these new trucks are so tight, they just run them forever and don't ever use any oil. Or they don't until there's a problem. What do you think about Australian trucking? I don't know jack shit about Australian trucking. I see those big road trains, and I think it would be cool, you know, to go down there. I would like to go to Australia, and I'd like to go to Summer Nats and see the big burnout contest, and I'd like to ride in one of them road trains. Well, you know damn well I want to drive on one of them road trains, them big, one of those big Kenworth cabovers. You know what, pulling like 12 trailers behind it, that'd be cool as hell. I don't want any part of the ice road. Y'all can have that shit. No, thank you. But to go to Australia, you know, and see a dingo and put a shrimp on the bobby and, you know, and run a road train and then go to a burnout contest, let's go to Australia. But other than that, I don't know jack about it. (sighs) Wow. Excuse me. Y'all, I've talked for an hour and 25 minutes now. And, um, my voice is not being very happy with me. Um, well, and, and so Justin brings up a good point about this using an OPS. It's the kind of the reason that we don't run a fast system on our trucks. There's just an, a little extra level of maintenance and care that is required. If I owned a truck and I was a single truck owner operator, hell yeah, it's going to have a fast and OPS and, um, I'm going to yank the cones out of the bearings. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to do all kinds of stuff to my truck that I would not necessarily do to trucks that I've got drivers in just because again, an extra, uh, an extra added level of risk, you know, um, the thing about engines are locked up tighter now. I really doubt the OPS would do much good in a new engine. Well, 
listen, five micron filtration is going to do something. Uh, but again, it's that ability to get that sample every 25,000 miles. You know, um, it's cheap insurance. Very, very cheap insurance. Um, B doubles is an Australian thing. What is B doubles? Is that the road train? It's a buyer's market for newer trucks right now. And they're going for 30 and 40 K. Yeah. And which is what I tried to tell old boy today. I'm like, but see, that's the difference. He would, if he had $76,000 in the bank, there's 0% chance he's going to stroke that check. The only reason he was doing it is because they'll give him a piece of paper to sign that he'll never read. Oh, only 2,300 a month. That's why he was buying it. He wasn't buying it because it was a deal. He was buying it because it's what he could get, right? And that's the disease that has infected American or first world culture, really, you know, is just how much debt can I go in, you know? So, uh, I mean, I, I see them. They're, they're out there. Uh, and I would say that the, uh, the used market is going to stay uh, depressed for a while. Um, and look, y'all, can we just be honest here? A, a, tr a trucking, a well-run trucking business, okay, should be able to gross $2 million in five years, okay? Uh, authority leased, doesn't matter, okay? $2 million bucks in five years. If you can't manage to save up 50 grand, what business do you have making $2 million in five years? Let's be honest. You're not, you're not serious about it. You know, I told old boy today, I said, dude, sell everything that ain't bolted down. You know, sell that car that you owe too much money on. You know, if you want to do this. Oh, Mark, holy crap. I'm upside down on my Freightliner Cascadia. 2022, I paid 149 for it. It's probably only worth 40. Is that where y'all want to be? I, listen, I'm not. I'm not throwing shade at Mark. Okay, everybody did it. Everybody did it. We didn't, but everybody else did. You know. Uh, I bought two trucks within the last two years and overpaid, but both of them bought cash. There you go, J96423. You know, um, but I'm, listen, it, it's, I've watched this over and over again. I've been in this business since 1997. Okay. I didn't get serious about business until about 20, about 2008 when I really started paying attention and kind of looking at the business side of it. And it was 2011 before I started dipping my toes in. Um, but y'all, this, this is, this is the, the, this is the trucking is the, the microcosm of the larger economy. And y'all, we, it's been boom bust since 1913. Okay. So just get out your history book and figure out what happened in 1913. It's still happening today. Got the income tax and federal reserve same time. And it's been boom, bust, boom, bust. Boom, bust. The Austrian economists call it the business cycle, right? And it's just this, it's just this revolving wheel of nonsense. 
Okay. And, and it, and until we get rid of the federal reserve, it's going to keep happening. Um, what shocks me is when I see people just bless their hearts, they're just walking along acting like this ain't never happened before. Not only has it happened before, it's going to happen again, right? The, the, the mark we're, we're down on the bottom side. We've thrown off all the speculators. They're out of business. They've left the chat. All the venture capital people, right? Have, have, have the vultures, the vulture. We ought to call it vulture capital instead of venture capital. All the vulture capital people have come in and they've picked all the bones clean and they've left all the carcasses, right? And the market will begin to heal and the capacity will drop and everything will, will even out and then it'll start growing. And then probably given another four or five years, the government will do something really, really stupid like they did in 2008. And again in 2014 and again in 2020, and they'll come up with this genius idea and boom, and they'll light that rocket and the economy will go crazy and Everybody will forget about the vultures. They'll forget. Y'all I'm saying never forget. You always forget. You forget everything. Okay. And then everybody comes back and it's the feeding frenzy. And then boom, and it buffs again. It just keeps going. So why don't, I'm just saying, why don't we build our businesses to where they work in both markets? It works when it booms and it works when it busts. And if we go back to the earlier comment about Mr. Let's just go get a truck payment because it's better to have a warranty. That shit don't work in the boss in the bust. It works in the boom. It doesn't work in the bust. Well, guess what the lunatic model does. The lunatic model works when it's up here and the lunatic model works when it's down here. We make money. In every market, we make money during the bottom. We make more money in the top. In the top of the market, we were taking wheelbarrowfuls of money to the bank. It was awesome. We all enjoyed it. Do I think reefers are more recession-proof? No. Um, I think that good, well-run businesses are recession-proof. Um, I mean, people... I know people think, oh, well, it's, it's food, but you got to have the hazmat totes of stuff to go to the food plant. I mean, it's just not, it's not all just potatoes and vegetables and meat, right? I mean, it, so no, the only thing that I see, um, of recession proof is a well-run business. That's, that's recession proof. And that's having a low cost of operation, not being undercapitalized, not being in debt to your frigging eyeballs. And you get to haul cheap freight and not go out of business. So, well, it's been an hour and a half and um, I'm about done. Oh, another comment. The trucking companies buy a new truck every five years. Cycling up, we had a job cycling down layoffs. 
Okay, but you're probably talking about 8 to 10% of the industry. Don't look at what Schneider and J.B. Hunt and U.S. Express do, right? They're they're tiny. They're insignificant. Don't do anything. They, they run on a 2% mortgage. You know, the, the, you cannot be a single truck owner operator and spend 98 cents of every dollar that you earn like they do. Don't pay attention to them. Um, there you go, Phil. The type of trailer you pull does not constitute success. Um, all right, one more question. Looking to buy here soon, is there really any difference between a Columbia and a Century? Yep, and it's, listen, I fully admit how stupid this is going to sound, but I don't like Centuries because of the headlights. And so if given a choice between a Columbia and a Century, I'm going to go Columbia every time, and here's why. Now, I haven't tried the Jeep headlights yet. I hear that the, there's a factory Jeep Wrangler headlight that will fit on a Century, and it's supposed to be bright and all that stuff. But a, a lot of times you'll see Centuries with this aftermarket, this whole aftermarket thing, okay? They're like, seven to eight hundred dollars for a pair of them okay and about a year and a half two years max and they're junk well the columbia you can run on down to the dealership and get a set of factory headlight housings for about 140 dollars a piece and throw a couple of led bulbs in and you're good for years years um so i do not like centuries for the hood and I used to, back when I was a truck driver, I used to think the Columbia was ugly and that uh, I wanted a Century because it was somehow prettier. It's a freight line. There ain't nothing pretty about it. Um, so, and that's just experience. And I, I'm going to throw one more thing in there. I prefer the 04 to 07 over the 2000 to 2003 because the HVAC system is better in the five to seven it's a lot easier to work on um than the kind of older style that's in the the like 97 when it came out up to 03 um <clears throat> the the 05 to 07 or 04 to 07 has the blend door set up um much much easier to replace an evaporator much much easier to replace a heater core so uh, now i'm saying that an 04 to 07, I'm knocking myself out of 12 sevens, which means you got to deal with EGR and 14 liters, but I'm okay with that. So anyway, well, y'all, uh, Larry will be back with us next week. Um, what will we be doing next week? Oh, we've got our training. So we're going to have Jared and Barb in the house with us, and I may make them come on the podcast and talk to y'all. Don't tell them that I said that, though. Um, we'll just make it a surprise. Uh, so anyway, with that, adios, peace out. We'll see you all next week.